Hi everyone and welcome back to Where Joy Blooms, a podcast where we talk openly and honestly about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. Our aim is to have real discussions about the challenges, highs, lows and experiences that we all may face along this phase in our lives as parents or parents-to-be. We hope this podcast can help you feel better supported and less alone as you embark or navigate parenthood. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, then don't hesitate to flick us a message or an email. We'll put the details in the description. Okay, before we get started today, we would like to acknowledge the land we meet on today is the traditional land of the Ghana people. We respect their spiritual relationship with their country and cultural beliefs. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and pay respects to your elders past, present and emerging. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Hello, Em. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, guys. How's our week been? Good, good. We're trucking on well. That's good. Olivia's going all right with her solids. She is. We're getting a little bit more into it. and We've tried some rice cereal, which she loved, and I've cracked out her little baby nest. Um, baby nest, no. The net things. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes, like the the fruit teether food net things. Is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> baby nest, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, the baby nets. I've ca- cracked them out, so we're going to try some fruit in those as well. And I've got her some baby rusks because she's six months old. Oh, beautiful. Sounds like everything's going really well. Yes, and Britt and I took the kids to at Book Bugs this week and they dressed up. Oh, yes, for Halloween. Yes, we had a cute little witch and a pumpkin. I know, they were so cute. (laughs) Well, this week on the pod, we are going to have another birth story. And I actually had the pleasure to sit down and have a chat with a beautiful lady called Steph, who, um, yeah, she didn't have her birth go exactly to plan. No, it doesn't sound like it at all. No, unfortunately, she was kind of denied her first birthing choice, um, which, yeah, ultimately led to having an emergency C-section and having to be completely put under a general anaesthetic. So, yeah, not ideal. No, not ideal at all. Her story is so captivating to listen to. Um, We hope you guys really enjoy her story and how she's going postpartum as well. Yeah, and we'll crack on with it. Okay, cool. All right, hello, Steph. Welcome. Thanks for talking to us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Um, I guess to start off with telling us a bit about you and your family. Um, Yep, so my name's Steph. I am 27 and I... Have a, I'm a first-time mum to a little girl named Nola, who is nearly 12 months old. Uh, my partner and I have been together for about three years, just over three years. Yeah. Uh, we met through my now sister-in-law, who actually used to work with me. So 
My background is I'm a registered nurse. I specialise in emergency plus do a lot of education on the side through with the universities. Um, and I we've just, after having NOLA, we made a very big life decision and moved to the country. So we've gone from the coast in New South Wales out to Dubbo. Um, yeah. And, yes, to be navigating motherhood from then. Oh, lovely. And do you like it out in Dubbo? Yeah, I don't mind it. I grew up in the country myself, but um, I do miss the water a little bit. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's nothing better than a good ocean walk and I definitely go th- don't get them around here. <laughs> I'm a little bit opposite to you, actually. I grew up in the country. I am from Broken Hill originally. And oh, so yeah. you're very isolated and then, yeah, came to Adelaide for uni and I've been here ever since. Not that yeah, there's there too much water. Well, I, there's water, but, you know, it's not the same as the East Coast or the Central Coast. Yeah, yeah, true. So tell us about your pregnancy. Was it a planned pregnancy or were you guys trying? Uh, no, it wasn't planned. It was a very nice surprise for us. Um, we, It was, yeah, the end of 2021, it was Christmas, and we had a pregnancy scare, um, so basically just a late period and I think it was we let it go for a couple of days I did a pregnancy test and it was actually negative and we kind of just sat we we were upset we're kind of a bit upset about it um I think it just made me realize that we were like oh we actually want this um start considering that maybe in like 12 months time we'll start trying which was working out well because we were literally planning a trip around Australia and ready to leave in like the next few months um, so I decided to come off the pill, um, mainly because I had been on it for so long and I wanted to see if like, I want just, basically just wanted my body to refresh itself and learn how to ovulate again, thinking that, that I would not have any issues. Um, I had, yeah, one cycle, one period, and then not another one after that. That's so, kind of like the ideal situation. <laughs> Is yes, I feel very, very lucky that it happened like that for us. But um, we were not trying, no, but obviously not preventing it either. So yes, yeah. it was a lot. Oh, beautiful. And so from there, how did things sort of progress? Did you have a good pregnancy experience, or is there any issues that came up? Yeah, I, I had a pretty straightforward pregnancy. Um, I got COVID in the first trimester, about nine weeks. And that was basically the same week that I had the the worst of my morning sickness. But in general, it was really mild. Um, as soon as I hit 13 weeks, I was not nauseous anymore. Um, I basically, the main symptom I struggled with was just fatigue. And I yeah. am a kind of person that is just go, go, go. And I don't want to slow down. And pregnancy really slowed me down. So yeah. I just got a bit frustrated that. Um, and within my job, it was just, it, it was hard. It was it was a little bit painful, like when you're on your feet for 12 hours and working in a place where you don't even get stopped to have a toilet break. So I kind of just had to step back and make sure I was looking after myself, especially towards the end. But no, very straightforward pregnancy. My little girl had a little hole in her heart, so we just had to watch that. That's since closed over. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so with that hole in the heart, was that something that was just picked up on routine scans? Yeah, yeah. I was was really really tiny and they literally said that the only reason they picked it up is because of how good of an ultrasound machine they were using yeah it just wasn't 
ones was a brand new one. So they said on it to not be worried about it at all. It was still there when she was born, but um, her three months check, there was nothing. Yeah. So just all closed over nicely. Yeah. And so with your pregnancy, did you go private or public or? Uh, I went through the public system in New South Wales. Yeah. I did going private, but I was already on private health and it wasn't covered. And obviously, because we weren't planning the pregnancy, I couldn't upgrade it with the waiting time. So, um, yes, I decided to go public through the midwife system. Yeah. And um, which was a good experience. Yeah. 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 Um, living in a big town like Newcastle, there's you get all the resources basically. So there's an abundance of midwives. I didn't have the same one every time. I wasn't going through that kind of program, but... The antenatal clinics were really good. It was still a little bit COVID-y times, so they hadn't dropped the restrictions, so my partner couldn't come with me for majority of them. Um, but, yes, the, the, the system was good, yeah. Yeah, that's good. It sounds like a pretty similar experience to what I had here with the public system. So, yeah, mm-hmm. sounds pretty pretty similar. And so... Um, from there, like, did you, I guess, have a birth plan that you had discussed with your midwives or how did you go into the birthing process of it all? Yeah, so this is kind of where I ran into a little bit of a, I don't know, not trouble, but just some issues. Yeah. Um, I'm having like just some spinal issues where my back's just not great. Um, which has then caused my pelvis to be not great and I've got a really broken tailbone that directly sits within my birth canal. So I'd been advised over the years by other health professionals to probably not try for a vaginal birth because it, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. Um, and I spoke about that to the obstetrician at my 12-week appointment and they just didn't really kind of understand what I was saying. Um, I even showed them some x-rays and everything of my back and they were just like, oh, the body does amazing things. Like it's going to shock you how well you'll probably deal with a vaginal birth. And I I just knew deep down that I just didn't think it was going to work. Yeah. Um, sent me away and they said, go get some letters from these healthcare professionals, um, get some second opinions and go from there because especially for your first child, you really want to just like try and give it a go. So I did. I did go and do that. I uh, got some letters. I went to a women's health physio and they basically said to me, look, you probably could try and do it, but you've also got a really overactive pelvic floor, which is going to make a vaginal birth even harder again. So at this stage, I was just feeling like a bit discouraged because then yeah. again, I went back to a 20 week appointment and they're like, no, we, we really want you to give this vaginal birth a go. And I kind of just gave up, really. Um, it was just discouraging. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe they can prove me wrong and maybe my body will do amazing things. And once all the hormones start loosening my ligaments, everything will change. So I then completely had to flip my mindset and start actually looking into what what do I do in labour, um, which, yeah, like it was just very strange because I still just in my gut did not think it was going to happen yeah um and when when you're preparing yourself for labor that kind of mindset kind of it just messes you with it a little bit so um birth plan was did not go how I wanted it to I had a really low threshold for what I wanted 
instrument wise if they needed it. I was absolutely, I was going to say no forceps, like you can use a vacuum if you really need to, but if it's not happening, it's not happening, like, like take me to theatre yeah. kind of thing, um, which I find now looking back at it, I find really interesting because if I had gone private, I would never have been questioned. No. Like no. the private system would have been like, yeah, that's fair, no worries, we, we'll book you in. But the public system, especially in New South Wales, are just... And I understand the hospitals are under stress, but they they just there's no autonomy for patients still, especially within like that pregnancy maternity area. Yeah. Um yeah. Reflecting back on it now, I wish I'd advocated more for myself, but uh, you do what you can at the time. Yeah, I think that's like one of the hardest things with first time mums is you feel like you don't advocate for yourself enough. I know I've got a few friends that I met after I had my first child and yeah they all said a similar thing like they wish that they stood up for themselves more and yeah like really fought for what they wanted because at the end of the day they didn't get the birth experience that they were really hoping for yeah and especially again like first time mums they had the education they're just not it's not explained to them super well but I felt really well informed like I know my body, I'd seen multiple people about it and yeah. a health professional myself, I was just like, I, just, I really don't think this is going to work. But, again, I didn't push hard enough, but at the same time I shouldn't have to push harder. Yeah, that's right. That's it. And so how did your birth go after all of that? Like did you end up being able to have a vaginal birth? I did not, no. I unfortunately had to have an emergency Caesar and I was put to sleep, so under a general anaesthetic. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's a bit scary, isn't it? Mm, definitely. I would not recommend it. And so I guess tell us, talk us through the, I guess, moments sort of leading up to that. So were, like, were you overdue? Were you, you know, how, how did you go into labour? Yeah, so I was... 40 weeks and four days um, and basically had kind of an induction booked in for the following week. I had had two stretch and sweeps prior to that because just because basically because I was done. I was so uncomfortable. I was really big. Um, I put on 20 kilos with my pregnancy. Like I was just so done with it. Um, yeah. Stretch and sweeps did not work. I think I had, I had one and five days later I finally went into labour. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just cramping. My waters didn't break. I had a really long kind of um between my when my cramps first started. I think it was eight o'clock in the morning, and I didn't have Nola till six thirty the next morning. So yeah, it was long labour. Um, and I think I I went to hospital about ten thirty at night. Um, and that was basically because I just, uh, I was done. It was, everything was coming every five minutes. I was vomiting. My hot water had run out and that was basically the end of the world for me. Um, <laughs> I went to hospital and I was three centimetres and I couldn't believe it. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I've been going all day. I assumed that this was going to happen and I could go to sleep basically. Yeah. Um, that was not the case. So I think it was they offered, they told me you can go home again and I very kindly said no because um, I wanted to stay in the shower and that's where I stayed. So it was about four hours later they checked me again and I was only five centimetres. 
So the doctor said, look, your water's still haven't broken. It's it's time that we're going to have to break them for you. So they did that and then he was like, oh, we might have to start a drip as well. Um, and thankfully that never actually had to happen because as soon as they broke my waters, I, it was it really go time. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it sounds like definitely a very tiring day and you're probably exhausted by this point. I was. I was completely exhausted. I remember sitting on the side of the bed at one stage and I was just falling asleep. And my partner kept coming over to me. He's like, please get on the bed. And I basically had to tell him where to go because I just could not. I was like, I just, I don't want to go be anywhere else but sitting on the edge of the bed. But I was literally fully asleep. But, yeah, once they broke my waters, I could not get off the bed. I was in that much pain. I just, I could not, like, you know, how, like, when your contractions double up on themselves, like, it's literally just one after the other. There's no break. Like, that's where I was at. And... I just couldn't do it. All of a sudden, they were not happy. And I was like, oh, can I have an epidural? And we're like, yeah, you can. So that actually happened quite quickly. Um, But that also started causing me to vomit again. And then I was, yeah, still laying on the bed, writhing around in pain. And they were doing multiple ultrasounds. And they found that my little girl had pooed inside me. So, like, that's the first note of distress. Um, and the heart rate was really, really low. And at this stage, I I can't really quite remember the order of things, but my partner said to me, it's like, oh, they turned the monitor away so that no one could see it. And I'm really glad that they did because if I had seen what that heart rate was, I think it would have caused me to panic. Yeah, Um, But it was a good eight minutes of her just completely just just not happy in there they think that uh breaking my orders just put, like put her into shock um yeah. and she got stuck so which is exactly what I thought would have happened from the start that she would have got stuck in there um and yeah so they made I was still completely in pain and I was like well what do we do and then yeah they pressed the emergency buzzer on the wall everyone came running in and they were taking my earrings out, putting Ted stockings on and said, you're going to theatre. Yeah. And so I guess it's probably hard to imagine and to know what was going through your mind at that point of time because it probably feels like such a blur now. But did they give a specific reason to why you had to be completely knocked out? Like was there a reason that you couldn't stay awake? They, Because I'd, I'd only had the epidural for about, 20 minutes by then I think it hadn't even kicked in at all and they basically said that we don't have time to now convert that to a spinal so mm-hmm. we just need to put you completely to sleep like because she needed to come out now yeah um right so just because they needed to get in there quick smart to get her out and like in obviously I did not want to be knocked out I would much prefer to be awake but it might have been a completely different outcome if they'd waited yeah, exactly. They needed to get her out fast and that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And so I obviously I've never experienced having a C-section where you've been completely knocked out. How long were you asleep for? Like when you woke up, was she like still pretty fresh? Were you able to sort of feed her for the first time or by that point had they already fed her? Um, it was about 90 minutes to two hours I think when I 
had actually like obviously been stitched up and I'd woken up in recovery um and she was she actually came out completely healthy so she was happy it wasn't in special care or NICU she went with my partner Wes um and at this stage I still did not even know the sex of her I'd never seen her I knew nothing at all um and I actually, that's a good question. I actually don't know if they fed her. I had heaps of colostrum. I have no idea if they actually gave her any in that period of time. Um, but, yeah, I think it was the two-hour mark. They finally um, brought Wes and Ola to me, still in recovery, and I got to meet her and obviously find out she was a girl. And, yeah, they popped her straight on my boob. Yeah, and how was your partner feeling through all of this as well? I imagine it would have been scary for him as well. Uh, watching you be completely knocked out and then basically having the baby just him for the first meeting on his own yeah I I I don't really know um I have a vision in my head that I will never forget I don't think and it's when there was all these doctors around me poking me prodding me and using an ultrasound and that and I remember looking over there at the room and Wes was standing there with his hands on his head just staring at me and I will never forget that image because I can obviously just imagine how stressed he would have been. Um, and then I, when I got wheeled off, I never got to say goodbye to him or say I love you or anything like that. Um, and then I just, yeah, so he had the first two hours with her. I wish I'd been on a fly on the wall because he tells me, all the time what it was like like he was just in this room on his own with this little baby and apparently she kept sneezing which is hilarious because I always sneeze but never stop sneezing um but yeah he is so I just yeah I so wish I could have seen what it was like for him for those two hours but he did so well I'm my sister was also in the birth suite with her so I'm so glad that he had her otherwise I don't know how he would have been um, and I always ask him, I'm like, when you actually walked into the theatre, did you even look at me? He was like, no, not really. I just went straight to her. And I was like, oh, <laughs> very good. Was he allowed to be in there for the delivery or he wasn't allowed no. to be in there at all? No, he was just on the other side of the doors just waiting. And I, I actually only asked him a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, did you hear her cry? He's like, no, I didn't actually, but she was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad everything worked out okay in the end for you in terms of, you know, Nola's health and everything like yeah. that. Um, and so how have you enjoyed your postpartum and motherhood experience? Yeah, it's been good. I, um, I've had a fair bit of experience with babies, got lots of younger cousins and obviously my job as a nurse, I'm looking after sick babies all the time. Um, but it was really straightforward. We very stupidly decided to move Tian's within the same month of her being born. So mm-hmm. that was a lot of stress on us. I thought we moved to Dubbo when she was six weeks old and it was just after Christmas. Um, so that was very stressful. Um, and we also renovated the whole house within about three weeks at the exact same time as well. So 100% direct. Very busy. Uh, but in saying that, she just kind of accustomed herself to it. She's been the best baby. Um, I feel very, very lucky to have just an easygoing kind of laid-back kid, which is exactly what her dad's like. Um, and it's made my motherhood journey 
much easier. Um, but in saying that, I have, haven't always had the best reception because of that as well. So when I first moved to Dubbo, I, um, I, I reached out to some others groups and everything because I, I didn't have any friends with kids. Um, so I went to my first little meetup with these mums and their kids and I just basically, Nola was asleep on me the whole time. Like She was only like eight weeks old, which they still do at that age. Um and they just could not stop saying like, oh, you've got that perfect child. And then five minutes later, they're like, oh, we don't like having mums in our groups that have those perfect children that sleep all the time. And it was just so many like throwaway comments that they made about just having a too good of a baby. And there is so much stuff out there now about how like these sleep regressions and like you need to, like just that every baby doesn't sleep basically. But I've been really lucky that my child does sleep and she's always loved sleeping and she's always had her little routines, not that I've ever actually had set time. She just goes to bed when she's tired. Um, and I have just been basically shamed of that over and over again. It has literally forced me to lie about her routine. So there'd be people asking me, oh, like, oh, does she, does she sleep through the night? Are you really tired? And I'm just like, oh, she woke up once or twice or something. And it's basically just to spare their feelings. But then I feel like I shouldn't have to lie yeah. about my child. This yeah, is just something. It's just not talked about. It's always talking about all the troubles with motherhood and everything like that. And it's like, yeah, but there is other people out there as well who aren't. That's right. There is a flip side to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit sad that you feel like, you know, you have to lie and I guess to mm. make Nola out to be a bit more of a difficult baby than yeah. she really is. Like you have to, you feel bad for having, I don't want to say good baby because I don't like that term, but you feel bad for having a child that just, it, I don't know, she just, she yeah, felt like kind like of. She's just, yeah, she's just easygoing and yeah, she's her own little person and yeah. Mm. No, you shouldn't have to feel bad about that at all. I mean, me personally, my girls are not very good sleepers. I mean, Remy is a pretty good sleeper during the day and she will start off in her cot at night for a decent stretch, but she still wakes up a fair bit and they both end up in bed with me. But I almost feel like I'm the minority here in Adelaide. It seems mm. like everyone has babies that do sleep. Yeah, so I guess yeah. it's just it's just different. No matter the, I guess, environment that you're in and the people that you're around, exactly their own perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just kind of. I think a lot of people would relate to this. Trying to make friends when you're a mum is really hard. Yeah, for sure. Like constantly talking about your children. And then all of a sudden it becomes a comparison game and sometimes I really don't want to talk about my, my child. I'm like, I just want to have an everyday conversation with someone. That's it. I think that's where, you know, work comes in really helpful for a lot of mums too because you do get that sort of break from just baby talk and from being a mum and being needed by a little person every second of the day. You get to feel like your old self again. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I know that you were telling me before that you've had a little bit of trouble returning to work. Mm. Yes, unfortunately, I have now been off work for 
be nearly 13 months and I was supposed to go back to work in August. What is it now? Nearly November. Um, and basically that's just because there is no daycare. Um, so I, I feel really disheartened about it because I love my job and I have worked really hard in my career and I'm going back to a, like a job promotion and everything like that and all I want to do is go to work and I feel like I would be absolutely a better mum if yeah. I went to work. Yeah. But this crisis and like in probably most of Australia with this daycare um, is just completely just completely affecting us, especially not only like emotionally and mentally, but financially. It's just like, when am I supposed to go back to work and make money? Which also then like kind of influences like, when do I have another child? Because I still have to go back to work for a minimum of so many weeks or something. Yeah. And like, when are you going to have money to have another child? Like it just, I'm like, why is this ruling like so many things just because I can't get someone to look after my daughter, which some people would love to be a stay-at-home mum, and I absolutely vouch for them. I'm just not one of those people. Like I, I really enjoy my job, and like I said, it will make me a better mum when I can actually go back to work. Yeah, for sure. I feel the same way as well, especially when you've worked so hard to get to where you are and to make a career for yourself. And, yeah, you know, you don't want to just throw all of that away just because you've become a mother. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Is she on daycare lists and things like that? Is it just a matter of there's not enough daycare and not enough positions there in Dubbo? Uh, there's there's a lot of centres, but they're just full. Like I think we're on about 10 different wait lists. Uh, we have been accepted by one of them, however, they, and they were supposed to open up in August, but they're still not open because they can't get any staff. Yeah. So I think staffing is a huge issue and I feel for childhood educators because they are so poorly paid. I don't blame them for not wanting to work in that industry anymore. So I hope in the next 12 months that there is a big change in that area for obviously families but also the staff so that we can actually the workforce can go back to work. Yeah, because it seems to be a nationwide issue, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was a very, I guess, interesting story, especially because you don't hear these days too much of people having a C-section under a general um, and being completely knocked out. Um, I can't imagine how you would feel um, I guess, after all of that, and I'm sure you're still probably trying to process it all even 12 months later. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. No, that's okay. Thank you for having me. No worries. And, yeah, hopefully we might be able to chat again soon one day and see how you're going. Yep, sounds great. Hope everyone enjoyed listening to Steph's story. It was definitely very interesting. We don't hear of too many um, C-sections under a general anaesthetic these days. Um, but, yeah, it was beautiful for her to share her experience with us. Um, her story was so captivating to listen to, so we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And once again, if you want to share your story on the podcast, feel free to message us or email us. Yeah, and follow us on our socials so that you don't miss out on 
I guess, the topics that we're talking about or if you want to reach out to us on there, we'll put all of the handles in the description and make sure to follow us on Spotify as well so you don't miss our episodes. Yep, and if you have any other topics that you would like us to talk about, feel free to let us know. We're happy for some suggestions and some ideas. Yeah, we would love to sort of hear what you guys want to listen to because we do want to bring, you know, the conversation um, to, to your home and what is, I guess, going on in your lives as well. Yes. But other than that, we will see you all next week. See you next week, guys. Bye.